When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Happy Wednesday. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker by saying play ESPN Radio. This show is always presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us throughout the next two hours. Courtney R. Cronin at GNeitzel16. You can also hit us up on the phones, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Before we got on air, I just realized this. It's National Signing Day, Gabe. Like, does this day hold any significance to you? Because many moons ago, in my previous life as a recruiting reporter, about a decade ago, this would have been one of the biggest days of the year. Granted, it happens a little later. At least it did back then. When I was working in Madison, like we would always do a big one, even though like the Badgers never have like a top 10 recruiting class or anything, but it's huge no matter what college town you're in. But I feel with the transfer portal, like that's taken some of the luster off because now the transfer portal is open so you can go out and get that wide receiver or quarterback Mm -hmm. or defensive back that you were hoping to get, you know, a four or five star kid on National Signing Day. So I wonder if I think Signing Day is taking a little bit of a hit because of the transfer portal. Yeah, it's definitely this year round thing now that we have in college football and something that we will keep our eye on today. Make sure to check out ESPN.com for all of the latest signings. And if you are a fan of a team and a recruit does not choose your school please do not tweet at a 17 year old child all right before we get to anything else so sad you have to like do that like psa (laughs) like hey let's just you know be human to one another if this kid doesn't choose your school you know sometimes people just need a little gentle reminder all right before we get to anything else we've got a jam-packed show for you today on greenie we start here here we go only one place to start. Morant in the lane, spins, hangs, floats, it's good! Zero's on the clock, Morant wins the game in his return! Basketball is, you know, my life, what I love, therapeutic for me, and I'm just, you know, excited to be back. Man, that didn't take long. 235 days in a 25-game suspension for John Morant, and he was back last night hitting the game winner in a 115-113 win for the Grizzlies over the New Orleans Pelicans. Gabe, it was it – was, I was aware of this last night when I was going through a rundown trying to sort through Stephen Curry's big game. He takes over in the late part of that game against the Boston Celtics. Then, of course, John Morant, 34 points, uh, eight rebounds and six, eight, six rebounds and eight assists. Like, two really big games in the NBA on Tuesday night – And then it occurred to me that you and I were apparently hosting radio (laughs) the last time that we were talking about John Moran in such, you know, big fashion, which was the day he was suspended by Commissioner Adam Silver, that 25-game suspension that he ended up serving. And then, of course, he talked about it last week, all that he had to go through the last couple months to be able to get reinstated back into the league. And then what you saw last night, number one and number two of the 2019 draft Zion Williamson going up against John Morant, and then he hits that floater in the lane for the game winner. I mean, 
you couldn't script anything better than that for his return after all this time. No, June 16th seems like it was forever ago, Courtney. And and finally he's done with his suspension. And I, I, it's it's complicated. Like, how I feel about John Morant now, uh, but when he's on the floor and you're watching him do his thing, he is undeniably one of the most exciting players to watch in the NBA. And it took him a little bit. It took his team a little bit to find that rhythm with him back on the floor. Had to have the big comeback last night. But you're just... When he is playing, and he's and there's a situation last night, it's a tight game, final minute of the fourth quarter, you cannot look away because he might do something like he did last night because he's one of those players in the NBA where the game, when he's on the floor, he just looks different. He's a different type of athlete, and he's able to finish and pull off the comeback win last night for the Grizzlies. You can just get lost. That's how good he is when he's out there for the Grizz. Grizzlies were 6-19 and without him to start the season. They are now 7-19, and sitting way back in the Western Conference. There's going to be a lot of talk over the next couple months. Can they make up ground? Can they get into play-in territory? And that's all great, but John Morant the person, I think, is what we are focused on here as much as we are John Morant, the basketball player. But first, let's hear from John Morant about that final play. So he had seven points in the first half, explodes for 27 in the second half, including the game winner. This is how he said it all came together. I told Dez, asking him, you know, do we want to, you know, get an easy bucket? You know, Jaron pretty much, you know, had a, you know, smaller defender on him. Should we just, you know, go in the post, you know, with the time? He told me, no, you getting the ball. So, <laughs> so at that point, it's just, you know, I pretty much just had to, you know, lock in and go deliver. And I did. So that's good. He did. No, uh, no minced words there about how that play was going to unfold. And, of course, he's going to have the ball in his hands for the game winner. That's why Memphis, when they're rolling, and they're going to be trying to figure out their identity when they can incorporate John Morant back into this into this team. Because, remember, there's no Dylan Brooks. The team looks a lot different from the last time that John Morant was playing, which was April 28th. And then, of course, this is the second instance when he flashed a gun on social media became a big issue. He gets suspended by the NBA indefinitely, and then it becomes the 25-game suspension that he had to serve throughout the first 25 games this season. There's no doubt in my mind, though, that he is a top-10 player in the NBA, especially as a scorer when he is healthy, when he is able to be out there for his team. It's just that you hope that he's learned from the things that he went through, what he's learned from the time that he's had to take away from this game, Gabe, that he will end up being able to stay on the floor for a team that right now is really far out of it. I get that. But if they can start rattling off a couple wins here, back-to-backs, and be able to put themselves in better position for the play-in territory, then we're talking about a completely different Memphis Grizzlies team from the one that started out all these games without him. Yeah, they're six and a half games right now out of a play-in spot. So they've dug themselves a pretty deep hole. And John Morant is the type of player that can dig them out of that. I I don't know if they're actually going to be able to get to like a top six seed and avoid the play-in. But if that team's in the play-in and John Morant is healthy at the end of the year, that's like you know Josh Allen and the Bills figuring it out right now in the NFL. Like Nobody wants to play the Bills because Josh Allen's a really good quarterback. Nobody's going to want to play the Memphis Grizzlies if we get to that point in the NBA postseason because that's how good Ja is. Like This was a team, and I know Desmond Bain continues to get better and he continues to improve, and this was a team that had Dylan Brooks, but this was a team that would get a two-seed in the Western Conference with you know when that's how good John Morant is carrying that roster to a top seed in in the Western Conference which is absolutely stacked so this is a team where he's healthy and he's ready to go you don't want to be messing around with in the Western Conference that being said 
I mean, I, and, and I know you was talking about keeping receipts last night. I know we're going to get to that in a little bit. I don't know what receipts he's necessarily keeping because he's the one who kept himself off the floor. Like, he did not learn from the first time, so they had to up it to 25 games and set all these different parameters. Hey, you have to pass all these things, have to clear all these things in order to get back on the floor. And hopefully that was difficult enough for him to go through that and realize how important he is to his team that he's not going to continue to do just stupid things Mm -hmm. off the court away from basketball that prevents him from being on the floor. So there was a video that was floating around. Michael C. Wright, who works for writes for NBA.com. He was videoing Ja after the moment where he hit the game winner. Did you, I didn't know this. That was his first game winner of his career. All these years later, the last one that the Grizzlies had was back in 2019 from Jay Crowder. But he said, quote, back on my timing, baby. I kept receipts too. I keep receipts. What could he possibly have been referring to? Because no one, no one is talking about Ja Morant, the basketball player. He's the bounciest guy out there when he's out there. He's a top 10 player in a lot of different respects. Certainly the offensive engine that makes the Grizzlies go. I, I just can't figure out what exactly he's getting at when he talks about these receipts because he's the one who put himself in this position to not be playing the first 25 games this season, to have to go through the legal situation, the civil suit that he's uh, you know, currently dealing with in, uh, in Memphis, which uh, stemmed from that incident during a pickup game. I believe it was two summers ago. Mm-hmm. But like, all of the things that have happened have been perpetuated by one person and one person only unless, you know, unless he's getting at the fact that he's upset with the media coverage and what people have been saying about him and questioning, can you stay on somewhat of a straight narrow to keep yourself on the floor instead of off of it. I, I just can't figure out where he's going with that. But what in in who in their right mind is questioning John Morant's basketball ability? I don't think anybody is. That's what I'm getting at. I feel yeah, like yeah. this has to be, unless it's some sort of like, you know, motivation, like, oh, you know, the haters or, you know, the people who, you know, I love when like Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes when they were like you know winning Super Bowls and all of those things. They talked about everyone doubted us. You know Cincinnati doubted us. Okay, like that's great. Like that's great fodder for self perpetuated motivation. I don't know if John Morant's getting at that. Like, is that what you took from it? I guess. I mean, I guess he took it personal that people were upset with him that he put himself in this. Because again, you've got nobody to blame for the off-court situations that landed you a 25-game suspension, that landed you in a civil suit, there's the civil suit, there's one person to blame, and that's John Morant. Like, no, at, and at no point was anybody going, oh, John Morant's suspended for 25 games, he's washed. I mean, did I think that maybe it would take him a little bit of time before he's dropping 34 and hitting game winners? I thought it might take a game or two just to kind of get your legs back underneath you. But again, it just shows how good he is. I don't think anybody is doubting John Morant, the basketball player. There should be zero receipts to be kept when it comes from that. And it has to be some sort of self-motivation of, oh, I have to prove these people wrong, even though... There's nobody out there that is doubting John Morant and what he can do for the Memphis Grizzlies and what he can do for the NBA. He's Gabe Knights. I'm Courtney Crony. You're listening to Greeny on ESPN Radio. We're in for Greeny on this Wednesday morning. So on the other side of this matchup, it was Pelicans. Uh, it was Pelicans star Zion Williamson who was questionable for this game. He had an illness yesterday. He ended up playing. But these are two players that went one and two in the draft back in 2019. Zion number one. John Morant number two. Different schools, different paths that they took to the NBA, but they both have been here for a little bit. And I think it's fair to say that we we know about them as basketball players and what they bring to the table. When Zion Williamson is healthy, 
he's one of the best out there. And that the availability question I know is one that is a fair one to bring up, but like the what could have been for these two, their first couple years in, in their career, I feel like more of that question falls on Zion Williamson. And, you know, the future for both of these two. Remember, 2019 wasn't that long ago. The future's bright. Zion end, ends up getting hurt all of these seasons. And, when, you know, I, I caution it right now. We're at December 20th. It always feels like there's a foot injury or there's a hamstring injury lingering around the corner for a player who's had these availability concerns. And then on the flip side of that, you know, can John ja Morant do what he needs to do to stay on the court? Because... <sighs> The future for the NBA, when it's about to go through in the next couple of years, a major transition period, Gabe, where LeBron James will not be playing at a certain point. Kevin Durant won't be playing at a certain point. Stephen Curry, who last night looked like there were no concerns whatsoever. <laughs> but I say this just to like put this out there for the future. At some point, he's not going to be playing. Who are your next stars? Who's the next, like, next in line to be able to be the face of the NBA? Prior to all the incidences last year, that was John Morant. Mm-hmm. That way, when he signs the five-year max contract, the extension that he signed, rather, uh, summer of 2022, that was supposed to be him. Now, can he work his way into fixing his image to get back there? Sure. That's what we all hope for. That's what we're all rooting for as he makes his way back into basketball action. And the same, I think, can still be said for Zion Williamson, despite some of the availability issues he's had. I, I just think that the the future, though, is probably brighter for Ja. And I, I mm-hmm. feel bad for Zion because at least Ja Morant, it's decisions that he's making. And he can clean up those decisions to make sure he's out there to earn that, that max contract, to get another max contract, to be one of the faces. Whereas with Zion, sometimes... With injuries, there's not much you can do. You know, your, your body just for whatever reason won't hold up to the rigors of whatever sport you're playing. And with some of the basketball people I've spent my time around, a lot of them like to say, when you start, when you start talking about big guys and feet problems, man, those are, those are really hard to overcome. And that's what we've seen with Zion Williamson. When he's been healthy, the dude's electric. He's an electric yeah. factor. He's, he's so much fun to watch. But that's the problem. It's the when is he healthy? When can he play? And I just feel like there's going to be a lot more start-stop for Zion Williamson that we can enjoy watching him play when he's able to play. Whereas for Ja, it's more about just personal you know, decisions that he's making that you would think should be relatively easy to clean up. Yeah, 25.3 points per game for Zion. When healthy, like, that is the head of that 2019 class. No one's able to touch that. It's just the matter of if for Zion Williamson, rather. And then John Morant, can he do what he needs to do to make sure that nothing else comes in between him and basketball the way that it had before? But again, an electric night on Tuesday in the NBA, John Morant in his return, hitting that game winner, lifting the Grizzlies 115-113 over the Pelicans. The NBA is on ESPN Radio on Christmas Day. Don't miss Bucks Knicks, 12 p.m. Eastern time, immediately followed by Warriors at Nuggets. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, RVs, and more for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save, 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Straight ahead, two NFL players that are mad at us. Us meaning me gave the media. Do they have a right to be? There's a lot of fodder out there about some of the I'll comments fight. that Micah ready Parsons. Gabe's locked and ready to go. <laughs> I said he had to bring his hot takes today. He has them. We're ready. That's next here on Greeny ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. You don't see teams get punked in the month of December and go on and hoist Lombardi. You need to be playing your best football now. I think the Dallas Cowboys are treated unfairly. They have to go into Buffalo and they have to win this game. And then what do they do? They absolutely drop the ball. So this is why it's hard for me to trust them. Apparently it's all our fault. Us meaning the media. We are the reason that the Dallas Cowboys are failing and failing to meet expectations the way they did in a blowout loss to the Buffalo Bills in Week 15. I don't know. I, I don't take responsibility for it. I didn't say anything negative, but the media, my favorite air quotes, the media, it's our fault. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Bowl season, basketball, hockey, and pro football are in action. Vivid Seats has it all for you and your ticket gifting needs this holiday season. See every one-timer, every touchdown, and every slam dunk live and in person with great deals on great seats. Plus, with Vivid Seats, you can earn rewards with every purchase. They're here for fans, offering unbeatable rewards like surprise seat upgrades, free tickets, annual birthday discounts, and more. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel, in for Greeny, on Greeny this morning, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. So, newsflash, Micah Parsons found out, Gabe, that not everybody likes the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if this is some groundbreaking thing, um, but apparently he's just been clued into this. This is a 10-4 Dallas Cowboys team that is in line for the NFC East title, but not everybody is in agreement about the construction of this team, how well this team plays on the road. You know, normal things that people like to poke holes in when you're talking about any team, but when it's the Dallas Cowboys, it is a magnified level. Let's hear from Micah Parsons, what he had to say, pointing the finger at what he believes is the problem. 
What I understand is like everyone just waits for the Cowboys to lose. I saw multiple analysts, people who are fake analysts who somehow got jobs on TV saying, there goes your boy. Like it's almost to the point where it's like almost sick that they're waiting for a uh, former players are waiting for other current players to fail. So that way they have something to talk about. It's like, oh, there he is. That's the person we've been waiting for. And it's like, why do you want a person to lose so bad? It seems that a lot of people are just waiting for people to fail. Okay, that was Micah Parsons, Dallas Cowboys linebacker, on the perceived issue with, I believe he said, fake analyst. Hmm, who could he possibly be talking about that goes on TV anytime the Dallas Cowboys lose it? Maybe he wears a hat, he has a fake cigar with him, maybe it's a real one. Um, And there's a lot of laughing involved with this. I I can't think of who he's possibly talking about here, Gabe. No, whatever you just described doesn't sound familiar. I've never seen that before. Okay, like Micah Parsons and like obviously Stephen A. Smith, it's a bit. He has fun with it on first take and he does a great job with it. But there is some truth to what Micah Parsons was saying without getting all emotional about, you know, people on TV poking holes in your resume and looking at the fact that your offense can score 41 points per game at AT AT&T Stadium. And then when you go away from there, like when you go to Buffalo and you're barely able to muster 10 points, you know, you fall off a cliff. All of those things are true. But it's because the expectations of the Dallas Cowboys as a team, as a brand, as an entity, and that this may be finally the group that can break through and get past the second round of the postseason, that those expectations are heightened. And when you play for the Dallas Cowboys, when you play for a brand like that, I'm sorry, but that just comes with the territory of wearing the star on your jersey and playing for one of the most boisterous owners in the NFL who's chirping every single time you do win. So when you don't win, the noise seems to get even louder. Is Micah Parsons unfamiliar with how sports work? Is he just wanting us to show up and going, you know what, I, I just hope both teams have fun and everybody succeeds. No, that's not how fandom works. That's not how any he's of a, this He's confused works. with how sports media works, I think. I think he yeah, wants maybe. everybody blowing smoke and praising them, and when they lose, it's, oh, man, Buffalo really is a good team. They got the better end of this matchup. We'll get them next time. That's not, that's not how it works. That's not how like friendly sports discourse works, and, you know, when you're talking about a team that has larger goals than getting to the divisional playoffs this year and probably going to be running in San Francisco again, then I think it's fair to bring up some of the concerns here. He he just, from his perspective, he's making it sound like all people do is bring up the concerns with the Dallas Cowboys, which is just not true in any form or fashion, especially with how well they've played in 10 games this year. Yeah, he needs to listen to Evan Cohen more on Unsportsmanlike, who was standing up for the Dallas Cowboys and saying somehow they were being treated unfairly earlier this week on ESPN Radio. But you, you made the point. There are some teams, there are some brands in sports that just rise above everything and everybody, you know, has a dislike towards them. Whether we're talking about the Yankees in baseball, the Lakers in basketball, if you are going to run around with the moniker of America's team as the Dallas Cowboys, guess what? That's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. So guess what? A lot of people are going to be rooting for the Cowboys to fail because they are this big team that gets a lot of attention because, yes, you do have a large fan base, but there are so many other fan bases across the league that want you to fail because you are this big machine that is the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they have the audacity to continue to call themselves America's team after not winning a Super Bowl 
since the 1990s. Like that, that's fair criticism. And it's not to say that people don't like this iteration of the Cowboys, or at least rather, I'll correct. They don't believe that this one can't succeed. I think that that's what fear that the fear in a lot of people and not necessarily coming from the media. I think it comes from fans first and foremost. And what people do in our world is we take the pulse of the fan base. You and I here on ESPN radio, we're going to take some calls in a little bit. Triple eight, say ESPN eight, 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 seven, two, nine, three, seven, seven, six. Like we're going to allow people to weigh in because that then directs the discourse. And that is the topic that we always get on with the Dallas Cowboys. Because when they do fail, when they have lost this year, it's been to winning teams. That's a fair concern because it then plays into the conversation about what this team is capable of doing in the postseason. You go to Buffalo. If you're going to have to play a road game at some point in the postseason, it's going to be as raucous of an environment, maybe even more so than what they had on the road in Buffalo in Week 15. They lost at Philly. I know that was a close game, but that's a playoff environment, and any time those two teams play is going to be a playoff environment. They lost at San Francisco, an absolute blowout, and then earlier the season, the bizarre loss that they had at Arizona. All four of their losses have come on the road, but is me saying that making me a hater? Not in the slightest. I mean, I'm a hater for a lot of different reasons, Gabe, but <laughs> like, not for pointing out the facts of the things that I think could be this team's downfall down the line, which, which has nothing to do with the brand of the Cowboys. Cowboys. It's just straight up stats that show you this team is far better playing at home than when they are playing on the road. And I guess if you just want to like hope and pray that you're going to be having the road go through Dallas, which it doesn't feel like in the NFC, it feels like that road's going through San Francisco, then that's one thing. But I think it's all fair. Well, you could have had a chance had you gone in and beaten Buffalo to have that road maybe go through Dallas. Now you find yourself in a divisional battle that you you caught a break. The Seahawks coming from behind and beating the Eagles still keeps you alive in the NFC East. But you're looking at a situation where if, you know, this road thing continues to bite you, you may have to play every game in the postseason on the road because you don't win your division. So you don't get a game at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. You don't get that home game where you're so comfortable and just boat racing everybody that you play that comes into into your home stadium. It's yeah, I mean, don't we do the same thing with the Miami Dolphins? Like we look at the Dolphins at the top of the AFC. Well, they haven't really been a good team, and I know that you know bothers that Miami fan base, but I don't see anybody stepping up and going, oh, how come nobody believes in us? Well, you got to give us a reason to believe in you, and when you get boat raced against the Buffalo team in the national game of the week, like it's the game that everybody's paying attention to. Everybody was circling last Sunday in that 425 window going, okay, let's see who's for real here. Can Buffalo continue this run that they're on to maybe sneak into the postseason? Can Dallas kind of get over this? And most people probably turn the game off at halftime because that's how bad you lost. That's how bad it was for you. And people aren't wrong to point that out. Yeah, when the lights are brighter, the expectations are bigger. That is a simple fact of being on a team that carries those expectations, win or loss. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel, in for Greeny on this Wednesday morning. Pleased to welcome in Brooke Pryor. She covers the Steelers for ESPN's NFL Nation. 
And on the topic of Micah Parsons calling out the media for their, it's his perceived criticism of this Cowboys team, Steelers wide receiver George Pickens had quite a few things to say about why his perceived lack of effort, or rather lack of effort, take the perceived part out of that, Brooke, was being criticized. What did you make of his comments in talking to him the other day about that block that he didn't make for the, I believe that was for uh, Warren's, Jaron Warren's run earlier on Saturday. What did he, how did that whole thing come about? So he, uh, George Pickens did not talk after the game on Saturday, which is not uncommon. He often gets out of the locker room very quickly. So honestly, good or bad, we rarely hear from him after games. Uh, So yesterday he talked for the first time since that game. Um, Unfortunately, I actually wasn't in the scrum. I was over there talking with Mason Rudolph. But uh, we have great people on the Steelers beat that held his feet to the fire and asked about the Warren play and about that lack of effort. And Pickens' reaction was that he didn't want to get hurt like Tank Dell, um, you know, didn't, didn't want to get rolled up on if he held his block too low. And so after I heard that, I went back and I watched the Tank Dell block. Very different situation where Tank got hurt. That was Uh, a goal line play. He was in the middle of a big scrum. He was not one-on-one like George Pickens was in that situation. Um, And to the credit of of the people there followed up and said, you know, what do you make of this criticism? And he very much was saying, this isn't, you know, the people that are criticizing me are what y'all do, which he was referring to the media. And he doubled down on that throughout the about four minute interview saying that the conversation around his lack of effort was all coming from media people. We've never played football, therefore we don't know what we're talking about. Um, and it's, it's hard to hear that and say, yeah, he's right, because that criticism, the call's coming from inside the house. Mike Tomlin is the one that said uh, just two weeks ago that, that George's frustrations and emotions were a problem because they were, quote, not solution-oriented, and a lot of the criticism that Pickens has gotten have been from former players. I mean, Jeff Saturday was on this morning calling him out for it. Marcus Spears. I mean, this is not something that is just a media narrative. There, there's a real problem here with that lack of effort. Yeah, it's not an isolated incident. It's not just that one play um, because a lot of people also pointing out that Pickens was running away from Julian Blackman after Blackman picked off Mitch Trubisky in that game as well. So it's it's not just, oh, hey, it's this one play. I think it's a, a larger um, issue potentially with Pickens, which brings us then to his head coach in Mike Tomlin. And while they haven't had the success they probably like and they they continue to have these winning seasons, Brooke, what kind of command does Mike Tomlin have on the locker room this season for the Steelers? You know, it's a really tough situation because I do think that Mike Tomlin is going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, I think that his track record, no, he has not won a playoff game since 2016. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Um, but I think that the thing he does the best is lead the locker room, rally the guys together, and get more out of his roster than he should. But this year, he is in a situation where I'm not going to say that the message is stale because I think for the older guys that have been there in the locker room, it, it, it resonates, and it, it resonates on the defensive side. The defense has taken a hit the last couple weeks, but to me that's not because Mike Tomlin's message isn't hitting home. I think the bigger thing here is that a younger generation of players 
that this message does not carry the same weight it used to. The Steelers standard does not mean the same thing that it used to. There's a natural evolution that happens when a roster that used to be veteran-laden turns over and there's younger guys there. Um, George Pickens is someone that had a, a, a negative narrative coming out of Georgia through the draft process. He had been in fights on the field. There were attitude problems that were talked about, things like that. And the Steelers looked at that and said, you know what, we can make that work. We see the potential here. And so they brought him into the locker room. And I think that this is a situation where they may have gambled and it didn't turn out well. I mean, that's why it's kind of a gamble um, because when you have one player like that and then it, it, it kind of spreads throughout the locker room. And, you know, Deontay Johnson says, no, it's not a distraction you know, we've got to rally around a guy like that. But when you're being asked about it every week, because there are continued instances of it every week, I think it can become a distraction and it can be an attitude that permeates throughout the locker room. I mean, I know Deontay Johnson has been criticized also for a lack of effort where he didn't go for the the fumble that Jalen Warren had. Um, I do think those situations are a little bit different or at least player to player because Deontay Johnson does work incredibly hard. He's one of the first guys out at practice, last guys off the field. But still, it just it, that becomes the narrative of this locker room, and that's really hard to break. It's funny. I'm having deja vu right now to Chase Claypool in that situation. That I know you and I have talked about ad nauseum, Brooke, over the last couple of months. A disgruntled Pittsburgh Steelers receiver. No, I've seen that one place before. Brooke Pryor, ESPN Steelers reporter, joining Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel here on Greeny. Nationally, the perception around Mike Tomlin is that, at least the one thing that's always talked about, this may be his first losing record as a head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I do think he is given credence that he's had all these years of winning, all these years of success, and sustained success at that. And maybe he gets a pass for that nationally. Locally, though, how is Tomlin viewed among this fan base? Like, are they ready for a change? Is a change potential uh, potentially on the horizon here in the future? How do you think this plays out with Tomlin after the way this season has played out for the Steelers? Yeah, I, you know, I, I've covered a lot of different things. Um, I've covered other NFL teams, covered college teams, and I can tell you that there is no place that there is a greater discrepancy in the national perception of someone and the local perception of someone. And there are a lot of different factors, uh, fair and unfair, that go into the Mike Tomlin perception. But I will say that the Steelers fans are, are tired of it. Um, they are tired of the lack of playoff wins. And I think that that comes from this being an organization that won so much before Tomlin and won in the early years of Tomlin that this is a team that they expect Super Bowls. And you can say every organization in the NFL expects Super Bowls. They want to win it. But the culture is different here. And it was you know established even before Mike Tomlin came and he elevated it. And I think this fan base feels like great. He's never had a losing season, but he also hasn't won a Super Bowl in a while and hasn't won a playoff game since 2016. We're tired of mediocrity and just having above 500 seasons isn't good enough. Just making the playoffs isn't good enough. And I do think that there's something to be said for, yes, Mike Tomlin has gotten a lot out of the rosters that he has. And he's had, he's had injuries that he's had to deal with and overcome. The Ben Roethlisberger 2019 season springs to mind. But I also think there's something to be said for the way that things have fallen apart this year, echoing the Chase Claypool situation. You know, Mike Tomlin is not the general manager here, but he has a heavy say in who this team brings in, who they draft, 
who they bring in in free agency or sign throughout the season. They're often guys that you hear say, yeah, I met with Mike Tomlin when I was coming out in the draft, and he really had a big impact on me. Mike Tomlin has a huge hand in shaping this roster. And so when there's a situation now where the roster and the locker room are not um, behaving the way that previous Steelers teams behaved and, and acting up to that standard, Mike Tomlin had a hand in that. And if his, me- if his message isn't resonating, then he part of that is because of who he brought in. So he's not um, – I don't think he gets off scot-free in that. It's not like he inherited this locker room. He built this locker room um, with the general manager, with Art Rooney. All three of them kind of have equal say's in who they bring in. And so this is a product of, of other moves that he's made. The 7-7 seven and seven Steelers have the Bengals at home in Week 16, teetering on that edge. They've been in the playoff picture. They've been out of the playoff picture where they currently reside. Mason Rudolph expected to get the start at quarterback. We know Kenny Pickett has been practicing. Doesn't sound like he'll be ready to go this week, but a lot on the line here down the, down the stretch of the 2023 season for Mike Tomlin's future and for the future of this franchise. She is Brooke Pryor, ESPN Steelers reporter, joining us here on Greeny. Thanks, Brooke. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. She brought up a great point, though. I want to get into this. Phones are open. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. When Brooke was talking about the national perception of Mike Tomlin versus how he's viewed locally, there's a discrepancy there in that dichotomy between somebody who has won a lot and has continued to win, but also the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately feeling that we have in the NFL. How does that play into his future? How does this lackluster season play into the perception of Mike Tomlin and what is next? We're going to take your call on that. Will he be the head coach in Pittsburgh? next season. Courtney Kern and Gabe Neitzel in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. 
Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Greeny, the podcast. Five days away? Is that right? I haven't done any Christmas shopping yet, so hopefully hopefully I have that right. What? Courtney Wait, Cronin, many- Gabe Neitzel. Cam, don't just tell me what. You know what I do for a living. Five days? What have you been doing? uh, Working. Working every single day. I have a. Yeah, okay, so you're telling me I need to be on Amazon? Yeah, that's super easy, isn't it? I mean, how many gifts do you have to get? How busy can you really be? I okay, I, I will take that back. Courtney Kern and Gabe Neitzel here filling in for Greeny ESPN Radio on the ESPN app. I bought my makeup artist who does my makeup for Around the Horn. I got her a really nice gift the other day, if I do say so myself. But I went to Target because I had to go to Target to get coffee and, you know, groceries and things. So I've got one out of the way. Don't have anything for my mom, nothing for my dad. I'll get my brother a gift card. I don't know. What it, Cam, Gabe, Bubba, help me yeah. out here. What, what, do, what do you people like? I don't know. My sister, you people. My sister. What is your gender like? <laughs> my sister texts me every year. Are we doing gifts this year? So it's usually like a gift card or something like that. So I think that's okay. fine. Yeah, you can't go wrong with a gift card. Gift card. Gift card to where? Like Lululemon, because that's what I would like. Just throwing that out there, Michael. Yeah. If you're well, listening, I, I but, don't. Um, I mean. I only know you. I don't know your brother and what he's into. I feel like that's one you have to answer on your own, okay. where you, you kind of got to know your brother a little bit and know the hobbies and things that he likes to do or the places he likes to go. Don't flip this back on me. I have enough adult responsibility to deal with. <laughs> um, okay, so hopefully if you're out there, maybe you're Christmas shopping today. I know a lot of people are off this week. In Chicago, I actually enjoy driving because there's not as much traffic as it sounds like most people are not in the city. But hopefully everybody else is... Uh, Getting their list all together. I certainly have not. I will here at some point in the future if I'm not busy watching bowl games because that's literally all I've been doing the last couple of days. College football playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Do not miss the semifinals on New Year's Day. Those are the Rose Bowl. That starts at 5 p.m. Eastern time, followed by the Sugar Bowl, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Some really good stuff from Brooke Pryor, ESPN Steelers reporter, a couple of minutes ago. And if you missed any of it, you can get it on the Greeny podcast, catch up on both hours of the show, available wherever you get your podcast. I thought what she was talking about, Gabe, the dichotomy between the national perception of Mike Tomlin and locally how he's viewed and the fan base taking the pulse there. Maybe they do want a a new different head coach. Maybe they are tired of seeing the disgruntled players, the younger players just not buying into the Steelers' way. Hell, even the other day, Ben Roethlisberger was on a podcast saying that he felt like the Steelers' way, or whatever he phrased it as, because I know it's Patriots' way, the Steelers' method that he was a part of that helped him win a Super Bowl is done. And so maybe that is where they need to turn their attention to here in the offseason. Um, and I, you know, I, I know I was asking for your calls on the Dr. Pepper call in line, triple eight, say ESPN, eight, 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 seven, two, nine, three, seven, seven, six. It's something that we've talked about, you know, the last couple of uh, last hour here on ESPN radio, but also throughout the last, uh, couple weeks as the Steelers have fallen to seven and seven. I want to get your take on this. The Steelers fan, maybe somebody who's not a Steelers fan and would like to see Mike Tomlin coach their team here in the near future. Let's go out to Mitch in Alaska. Mitch, you're on Greeny. If Mike Tomlin isn't with the Steelers next year, where is he? It's Mach. Mach, Mach. I can't read. It's Mach. Yeah, Mach. Uh, I'd love to see Mike Tomlin in Las Vegas. I'm a lifelong Raiders fan. 
And, you know, his approach may be somewhat old school, but he gets results. You know, people in Pittsburgh are, are tired of him. Why don't they, uh, you know, try to be in Las Vegas fans for a couple of years and see what that how that turns out for him, you know? It, the Steelers have regularly robbed the Raiders, trading receivers to them, that the Steelers turned into good players, and once they go somewhere else, they're useless. Well, and, and appreciate the call, Mach. I, I think it's just simple when it comes down to what the Steelers' biggest problem is. They don't have a quarterback. They haven't had anything resembling, you know, really even the last year of uh, Ben Roethlisberger there. It's not like he was playing great his final year when he finally decided to hang it up. And they haven't gotten really any production out of that position. And it's really hard to win in the NFL. And yet Mike Tomlin's found a way to win games where you're not in position to draft one of those great quarterbacks. You have to take flyers on guys like Mitch Trubisky. You have to take flyers on guys like Kenny Pickett. Oh, this first-round quarterback happened to fall to us. He's the best quarterback in this draft. And and those things just have not worked out for them. I understand being frustrated because you want to get to the playoffs. You want to win those playoff games when you have a rich tradition like the Steelers. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, Mach is 100% right. If... The Steelers decide to move on from Mike Tomlin, which I'm not convinced they're going to do because it's the most patient franchise in the history of sports. Somebody's scooping them up almost immediately. I wonder if both Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin are on the market. Who's the one between the two that's actually the most sought after? Belichick clearly has the better resume, but Tomlin's much younger. You know who, yes, I mean, that. I think about the teams that have openings and the one that just opened last week, the Los Angeles Chargers. Both Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick, like if you don't want to pay a pretty penny for a head coach, take yourself out of the the sweepstakes now because both of them, regardless of of where they go, are going to command a pretty penny next year. And I just feel like Mike Tomlin will be able to have his pick of wherever he wants to go. I can't in my right mind, though, picture how this goes because my co-host on Best Week Ever, the show I normally host on ESPN Radio, Peter Burns, brought up the idea that I kind of thought was crazy, but now I'm kind of buying into that maybe there is a mutual parting of ways between Tomlin and the Steelers, the way that we expect there to be, maybe, with Bill Belichick and the Patriots, that you go your way, I'll go my way. And we know that when those two do inevitably go their way, they will not be on the market for very long. Straight ahead, the more things change the more they stay the same. I'll tell you what that's about next. Greeny, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.